What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Keeping Stock Podcast. And this week, we have a guest. Our guest is multifaceted in the journalism industry, has a great insight on sneakers from a personal level to the professional level. We talk John Wall, Kelly Oubre, LeBron, our guest's history and why they got into journalism, and their newsletter. So, if you enjoyed today's episode, all of the guest information will be in the show notes, and you can check that out at any time. And with that being said, let's get into the podcast. You may have seen articles from today's guests on USA Today, Huffington Post, SB Nation, and a variety of news sources. In addition, he's covered a plethora of topics from sports to politics to sneakers on the local and international scales. Further, the art of storytelling never stops for our guest, as he is consistently working on mastering the journalistic craft. Please welcome to the show, the founder of the Kicks You Wear newsletter, Mr. Mike Sykes. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks so much for having me, Julian. I really appreciate it. Like I said before, you know, I came across the Kicks You Wear newsletter early on, and I just love to see that content and staying fresh in the newsletter format. So I'm really looking forward to that, to speaking with you. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. This is this is actually like the first time I've I've been asked to talk about my newsletter. Um, like, I guess like the, like, it's not the first time I've been asked to talk about shoes, but like the newsletter specifically. So I'm very excited to to kind of um, peel back uh, and, and take a look at my process. Cause I don't think I've done that for myself yet. So. Okay. Right on. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something that I've seen a few people mention on Twitter and it seems to be growing and I like it in these times, especially as hectic as things are to take a couple minutes to read the newsletter highlight you do a great job of highlighting different pieces in the sneaker culture um, and obviously being able to tell your character and your voice in it and I think that's why I resonate with it um, so personally but before kind of jumping into the newsletter portion I wanted to know what drew to your current path in journalism oh man that is an excellent question and honestly it started um, back in 2016 when I was first, so I, I hadn't even worked for uh, SB Nation yet at that time. Like I was interviewing for an internship um, at SB Nation's flagship uh, in 2016. I was still in school. Um, and while we were chatting, like I, I was giving them this pitch that I could be like this, you know, your, your, um, the the kind of NBA beat reporter guy that everybody um, wanted or everybody was looking at. It's kind of, you know, your cookie cutter. Like I can write about uh, my favorite team, the Wizards, and I know a lot about the the rest of the NBA and, and everything like that. And then um, I kind of mentioned in passing that I was really interested. One of the things that I was covering um, while I was covering the Wizards um, was John Wall's sneaker deal situation. And so at that time, he had, um, let's see, 2016, he had been dropped by Adidas, or the, the Adidas deal was coming to a close, I, I, I believe. And, um, and that was one of the things that I was really interested in. And when I brought that up, they were like fascinated by it. And, and, and they were also like, we also ended up talking about, uh, Kobe's sneaker line and how, like, he had, um, this kind of passion for uh, soccer. And I think he had like a Liverpool colorway in, in um, the Kobe sixes, I want to say five right. or six is one of those two. And, um, 
And they were just like, wow, like I didn't even know that this was something that, you know, people would be interested in or that was like, like they didn't know anything about sneaker culture, like why it mattered um, in terms of like NBA guys seeking sneaker deals and, and how that kind of um, supplements the the contracts that they already have on the table and, and things like that. And what kind of that, that ends up changing when you have a guy like, um, LeBron James, who signs like a massive Nike deal and, and then is able to kind of do these one plus one deals with, with the Cleveland Cavaliers that he was doing for, for so long. And so I, I kind of just ended up, um, I guess, playing that pitch by ear and just saying, hey, like, you know, you guys don't really have anybody who covers this kind of thing. No one really does at this point. Like there, there were only a few people at the time who were kind of doing it on a, um, on a big scale. And I was like, I can, can be this guy for you. And they were like, well, let, let's, let's, let's kind of see. Um, and so I, I, I actually didn't get that internship. Um, funny enough, <laughs> uh, I ended up um, applying again, I think in the spring of the next year and ended up getting it. And, uh, and from there, things kind of just took off with, with the um, sneaker and apparel beat. That's kind of it's wild to think in 2016, you know, a little over four years ago that that portion of sneaker culture was just developing and you were right on the beat for that. Was that just you being driven by your interest of sneakers and basketball and the Wizards and then kind of formulating that into, you know, your your passion for journalism? Or is it had you seen it mentioned somewhere else and thought, you know, maybe I could pitch this on somewhere that isn't really too educated on it or hasn't seen the potential that's on these type of um, articles or this beat, so to speak? Yeah, honestly, it, it was just kind of a combination of um, of me having an interest in sneakers and also uh, one of my editors saying, hey, like this is a thing and you need to get on it because you're the only one who <laughs> who knows anything anything about this. Like I was I was uh, doing um, freelance wizards work at, at Bullets Forever. And my editor, shout out to my guy, uh, Jake Whitaker, he, um, like the, the whole John Wall thing, it, it started kind of developing. And he was like, hey, Mike, you like shoes a lot. I don't know if you know anything about this, but I need you to to kind of get on this because you're the only one who has any knowledge even adjacent to this subject matter. And I was like, oh, okay, let me like read up on uh, this deal and, and figure out how sneaker deals work and, and do this and that and, and kind of educate myself on um, on the matter a little bit more. Because like while I did love sneakers, like at that time, it wasn't like um, firsthand for me or it, it wasn't easy for me to like explain like how sneaker deal works and, and, what, and, and what they what they look like and, and how they function within the the scope of um, the NBA. So, so shout out to Jake for kind of um, giving me that nudge and, and saying, Hey, like this is, this is a coverage area that people are interested in and uh, we need somebody to cover it. And that somebody is going to be you. Yeah, I think it's also cool that the character of John wall was that first, you know, idea for you. Cause his sneaker journey in itself is very unique because I remember as a child or maybe a middle school or a teen somewhere in that range when, he was with Reebok and had the Zigtech technology that everyone oh was fascinated God. about. So bad. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair to say with a little whiteboard pen. And so I guess furthering on that, when you were looking into NBA sneaker deals 
And like you had said, you weren't too aware of the back end process. What was one of the things that stood out to you when looking at John Wall's, you know, wavering situation at that time? Yeah, at at that time, it was so fascinating to me to to kind of see um, and and learn like why signature shoe deals matter. Because because like coming into that year, I never really thought about them too much. Like I I was just only into like just buying the shoe of the player that I liked, right? Like I didn't think that it was like a kind of, like there was a some sort of tiered system and and that the the signature shoe deal was at the top of that tier and and like losing that deal actually means a lot because you're probably not going to get another one right. um after after you lose that and so so I'm I'm kind of like like I, there's I I guess coming into it I was assuming that like once you lose this this deal once you lose the stature it's kind of difficult to claw your way back to the top of that thing but but i didn't know that the situation would become what it was where he was like wearing nike and adidas and and everything else as a sneaker free agent i i didn't know that sneakers even had free agency like it was like like that concept to me was so so wild and now it's actually one of my favorite things to um to talk about because like I, I think there's so much that that a player could could do with that in in that um sneaker free agent space now um but yeah like just going back to wall it, it was just i man that that was kind of i i feel like i got really lucky um to to be around a player like john wall who was like so willing to to talk and divulge at at all times like i remember um you know we were and like I'm like a rookie reporter at this time. Like I, I'm not even like I don't really know what I'm doing. I just want to ask John Wall about his shoes. That's really all I care about. Um, kind of coming into practice, and um, we're like we're in the in the scrum in the media scrum at practice. There's like me and four other reporters there, and the the scrum's starting to end. I'm like, okay, like this is the, like everybody's gotten their basketball questions out of the way. Like that's fine. Like you guys can write that story. I'm I'm gonna ask about his shoes now. And so I asked ask him, um, you know, what like he had just signed a deal, the deal with uh, a new deal with Adidas. Um and I I was asking about it and was like, hey, like do you think that you'll ever be able to play your way um back into a signature shoe deal? And and like Normally, like players don't really like to get into their business like that, especially not mm-hmm. like the money aspect of it. But John Wall is just like, yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult, but I think I can do it. I got a five year deal. This is I'm like, yeah, like, like you give me, you give me all these details, and like you don't, you don't really know me like that, and you're just like talking, and and I, I was just like so fortunate to to have a player like that who was so willing to um to to be helpful um to me young media mike who had absolutely no idea what he was doing and and like the rest of the reporters are like i don't even know why he's like wasting his this time with this question like this stuff kind of doesn't even really matter it's just like i'm gonna I'm still get it off though <laughs> yeah i mean when you when you get the opportunity i mean it sounded like it turned out to be a layup which seemed like it may have been you know a deep three when you asked the question and i think it's it's interesting because that from my perspective you know, I've never directly talked with any NBA players in a media scrum, but it seems like from my point of view that that question strikes more than a, a basketball interest for them. It's a lot of these athletes did have that interest in sneakers before, and maybe he just felt that, you know, familiarity and common core and wasn't like 
pinned into a corner like athletes can be sometimes to to give that answer. And so post, you know, John Wall and that sneaker segment, um, was there any other sneaker uh, articles, insights, beats that you enjoyed um, over your your career thus far? Oh, man, I was just saying like the 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 concept of being a sneaker free agent is just so fascinating to me. Like I, I really, I've never been able to like pin down like PJ Tucker or somebody right. like that on this. Who's like, who's a, a grade A sneakerhead and like everybody knows it, but it's also like a free agent at, at a, a certain point in time. Like the, the one time that I did speak with someone about it, it was like, it was Kelly Oubre. Um, oh, right going back to the uh the wizards beat and um it was like it was maybe like a year before he had um signed his converse deal and we were just talking about like how the um just like the opportunity to to be able to especially like in today's game where in like even if you go back to like 2015 there aren't that many players um as far as um the sneaker game goes in the NBA. Like there, there are not that many places that, that a player can sign, but like you fast forward to today and 2017 was also like a, a landmark year in my opinion for this. Um, because like we saw Puma jump back in, we saw new balance try to get back in right. and then they eventually did with Kawhi. And that was like, when I, I feel like the, the brands were kind of saying, Hey, like there's, there's an opportunity here um basketball is uh kind of a a big deal now <laughs> like it's it's a it's a bigger deal than it was uh 20 years ago when we were trying this thing before so let's jump in and 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 see if we can uh if we can make this thing work and so like we me and Kelly were talking about how now there was so much opportunity for like for not necessarily superstar players to to kind of make their mark on the sneaker game because of um one the the new um brands that they could could sign to and two because of the um the social media platform that they that they have now it's like every player has some type of soapbox right or 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 somewhere they can can speak and and, and get a message across or, or build a brand or whatever it is that, that they want to do and so it's like when you when you add both of those things together, this is like uh, a real golden era for um, for sneakers when when it comes to the NBA. And and that is that's the, the most fascinating thing to me. I, I would agree. Sneaker free agency in itself is a wild concept. And then, as you touched on the growth of other brands, you know, Nike basketball is so superior in the early 2010 to 2013 14 it was huge and now you see like you said new balance puma you know in portland one of the backcourt's most prominent shoe deals besides adidas with lillard is leaning with cj mccollum you get anta you get all of these other brands that are coming out of you know foreign industries or you get the opposite effect where you look at jordan brand and nike going after these international stars or international bases with Giannis and Luca uh, and to see that growth is super surprising for my and I and I assume the same for yours just understanding that sneaker market and how it's changing as you mentioned from you don't have to be a superstar as long as you have your message and your you know your certain style and or even if you're like a Kyle Kuzma right right you can find all these different markets to to place the product in front of 
And it, it's also so interesting because we're living in a time where like athletic apparel and footwear aren't selling so well, which is mm-hmm. like, I write about that probably way too much for some people, but, but like, it's so interesting because while that stuff kind of isn't working, the brands are still like all in on the NBA and in the signature shoe deal. Like I just talking to, to um folks at, at New Balance, it's like, man, like we really feel like, and this is like the people at New Balance talking to me. They're like, we really feel like we kind of struck, um, how does the saying go? Struck lightning in a bottle or, or caught a, caught lightning in a bottle, right? Yeah. Like with, with, <laughs> with, uh, with Kawhi Leonard and, and, and signing Kawhi at the time that, that they signed him because it's like they, they had already built up this, this whole catalog that is like, very much so um entrenched in lifestyle and in streetwear and now they have um maybe the best NBA player in the game like depending on depending on who you ask and he wins a title and they give him a signature shoe and now they can just kind of trot him out there and um and not only his his signature shoe on the court but also like some dope 992s in in the in the pregame or or like uh, a dope five seven four in the postgame or whatever like you you can see Kawhi and and kind of all of that and and that like goes to um kind of the the role that social media plays in all this where like you got a guy like Kawhi Leonard who doesn't talk at all but is now like an Instagram model because yeah. <laughs> because like New Balance has has all these shoes and all this gear that they want to put them in and, and and like that's like the that seems to me to have become like the most important part of all of this it's just like having the the big name like the signature sneaker definitely comes with it but it's it's more so about is is your player cool like can your player um sell not only his own shoe but like the rest of our product because if you look at like Under Armour somebody like that like Steph Curry is a great player but Under Armour doesn't really move anything at all like they're struggling right now and and a lot of that is because they don't have that that lifestyle yeah I would would agree I think seeing the the sales cycle or the the different conversion path for some uh, demographics right when you bring New Balance to the NBA um, in a a character like Kawhi who is you know so powerful and dominant in the game I'm not gonna lie for myself right I wasn't too big into New Balance um, but you know, you like you mentioned, you see Kawhi in this gear pregame as social media has grown, and you get the the tunnel pics. Um, he wears the fun guy T-shirt, and now you know I'm on New Balance's site looking at some of their other products. Um, and I think it's been a smart move, and it makes you know a healthy competitive atmosphere in the sneaker space where you get players trying out new things or encouraging you know different technology to stay on top, whatever that may be. Um, or that's why I'm. I'm also interested to see how Draymond in Converse works out. Um, you know, that Draymond Kelly Oubre in that Converse deal, like what they do to make out of it um, or if it, you know, transpires or it just kind of fades away. Yeah, that, that is, that's definitely one that I'm going to keep my eye on. Like I, I, it's, it's interesting because like Draymond is still very much like a polarizing figure even even when the Warriors are trash but it's like I don't know if if he comes back next season whenever next season is at this point um 
and and he's wearing that shoe and he's not that good anymore like if he's not that good anymore then does it does it move the needle for Converse still? I don't know. And I'm not saying that like Draymond Green won't be good. Like I think Draymond Green's an amazing player. But like at at his at this point in his in his career with with his skill set and how like that generally ages, like now is where you start to kind of see the decline in a player like that. But then you go back to the other point where it's like, does that really matter if like Draymond is still being talked about on, on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that? Right. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a valid point. And so when you kind of look at all these things we've just talked about, you can obviously see that the deep interest in sneakers that has grown with you, Mike. When did it click for you to to tie your your journalism background and your, you know, your passion for sneakers that's developing into the kicks you wear newsletter? Yeah, so I was at Axios um at the tail end of last year, I think it was, I think it was like October, um, which, okay. is, which is wild that I can't remember when I launched <laughs> it. But I think it was like October um, at that time. And like I helped launch Axio Sports there. Um, and it was it's it's a very successful newsletter. It was uh, and it was really it was really fun um, to kind of write and and um, just be a part of. And so it was like. I wonder, like we we had done a, a few pieces on sneakers um, for the newsletter, and they people reacted really well to them, and I was surprised. Like I was like, especially for Axios's audience, which is not like the the youngest audience. I, I, I guess right. that, that kind of changes with the the sports newsletter, but it's like still like you don't really expect folks who read Axios to, to kind of be into sneakers because it's like, I mean, obviously it's a mainly political uh, publication. And so when they reacted well to it, I was like, okay, like this is, this is a thing that like at some point I can do. And and I had done a, a newsletter um, before this one about sneakers, but it wasn't, it wasn't nearly as good. Like the product, I honestly think it sucked. It was, uh, <laughs> it was like, Cause it was mostly like, Hey, I think these shoes are cool. You should buy them. And like, nobody's going to read that. And, and so like, that's when, like, that was actually like right before I went to Axios. And so I kind of um, just learned a lot more about the newsletter game and how newsletters should function and, and how, why they're relevant to people while I was um, working at Axios and, and specifically like when I, when I joined the sports team, like that was like the, the main thing that, um, that, that they drove home for me is, is that like this, like it's, it's sports. Yes. But like, we also still have to, to show people why it matters to, to their everyday life. And so when we did those sneaker pieces, um, it was like, it was really eye opening for me. And I was like, there's, there's definitely an audience for this. Um, I don't know how I would do it or what it would, um, kind of function as, uh, for people, but like, I see that people like reading about shoes. So at some point I'm going to do this. So I think I had it on, um, my back burner for maybe seven or eight months before I kind of just like really sat down and thought of a plan and was like, okay this is how I want to execute this. It's not going to be daily. It's going to be Monday and Friday. 
maybe at some point we kind of turn it to daily. I don't know, but like, I just wanted to kind of test the waters and see like how people would, um, would react to it. And like, to my surprise, people loved it when it first (laughs) popped. I was like, yo, this is, this is really crazy. I think we were, we were like, I had, I started when I announced the newsletter, which was in like, that was in late September. And I think like maybe 20 people subscribed. So I'm like, okay, like this is, this is fine. Like, this is good. And and like, I didn't, I didn't really launch it to like actually have people read it. I just wanted to write about shoes because it had been so long since I had done it. Like I, at Axios, I, I had done it sparingly and at SB Nation, I was doing it almost every day. Um, so I just kind of wanted to get back into the groove of things. And and so when I saw that, like, people were even subscribing, I'm like, OK, this is a win. And then, like, I announced that I'm going to have the first issue on October, whatever day it was. And um, people just, like, came in droves. It was like it went from, like, 20 to, like, 150 in a day. And I'm just like, OK, like. This is this is like this is a thing and I needed to 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 really take this seriously. And so since then like my my kind of what what I looked at as a as a pet project for me initially was just it's just turned into like a thing for for people, which is really cool, but but also really uh, like it makes me nervous every time I, I publish it. Honestly. Like it's it's weird. I mean, I think it in sounding from coming from a familiar background right i started this podcast just out of a you know something i wanted to do i just wanted to talk about sneakers you just want to write about sneakers and to see people support you is a a whole nother feeling in it in itself and especially going from such a a harsh pivot from sneakers every day to sparingly doing sneakers with axios and then finally you know redeveloping an idea that you've been thinking for about you know, six to eight months, uh, must have been, you know, a unique roller coaster, so to speak. And so one thing I do have to ask about is for a while you tried out a podcast. What in that journey, what made you, you know, start that podcast and then pull back from it? Yeah. So it was, it was, I had launched the podcast. I think it was the, I have a problem podcast, which like, I thought, I thought it was really cool. <laughs> like I thought that was a really <laughs> cool uh, title. Um, but I, when I launched it, it was, it was a part of that newsletter that I was doing that initial newsletter run. And so I'm like, okay, like as long as I'm doing this newsletter, I'm going to do this podcast. And then like, at a certain point, it was like this newsletter, I don't really like it. So I'm just going to focus more on this podcast. And and so I did that. Like I focused more on like the podcast and trying to turn around like social sneaker content. So I would do like Instagram stories about shoes and I would tweet about shoes all the time and, and like try to try to write about them. I was still at SB Nation at, at this point. Um, and so at a certain point with the podcast, I was like, this is like, this is a good podcast, but it isn't what I set out for it to be because I really wanted it to be a part of the um the newsletter. Like I wanted them to be like two different arms that I could kind of go to and and kind of talk my stuff about about sneakers. And it didn't feel right having one without the other. So I decided like I'm going to I'm going to, I'm going to revisit this at, at, at a certain point. And then like the format that I was doing it in where I was having like 
a guest or it was just me, like I really didn't like that. Like I didn't like hearing myself talk all the time. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. And and so and it, at a certain point it was just like, okay, like I'm lining up guests all the time and sometimes like people just can't really do it. And when they can't do it, then I have to like either find someone else or I have to just do it myself. And it just got to a point where it just wasn't really like fun anymore, which is like why I respect podcasters so much. Like you guys are, I don't know how you guys do this. I don't, it's really, it's really fun to do, but like, I don't know if I could like do it without like a, a crew of people. Um, but like, it's, it's really like the product is always like podcasting is honestly my favorite medium right now. Um, which is, which says something about the guy who writes a, a newsletter with no podcast. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was just, it was just like, I, I felt like it was good, but like I could have done it better. And it also just wasn't like nothing was really going according to plan at that point. So I was just like, let me just scrap this in and kind of focus on my actual job <laughs> at Axios. So, okay. And so as someone who, you know, has a, a certain attention to detail um, from what I can tell, right? What is your process now going from the first draft of the newsletter and trying to operate the podcast with it to just the the kicks you wear newsletter in the state it is now launching in October. Um, what is your process to, you know, writing a couple newsletters a week? Yeah, so so from like the the first time I had ever done a newsletter to now, it's like drastically different. Like the the first time I just kind of wanted people to it was like I was trying to convince people to like shoes along with me, which I eventually realized it's like that that's not a journey that you can take people on. Like people have to discover that for, for themselves. Right. And you have to, to allow them to do that. Um, so you can't say like, Hey, I really like this shoe. You guys should like it too, because this isn't that. And I also found that like, I'm not really a person who likes to get into like kind of the specs of a shoe. Like I, I think that's all interesting, but that's not like my bread and butter. Like that's not where I will ever make my money. That's that's just not I'm not as good at it as as people like Jock Slade and, and other folks like that, right? So it's like, okay, revisiting it when I launched the Kicks You Wear in, in um October, it was like, I need to I can write about sneakers, but I have to write about it in a way that makes it relevant to the world around people. Cause people are always gonna care about what's going on around them, but they might not necessarily think that a shoe or the sneaker industry has anything to to do with that. And so I came into this kind of thinking that it was my job to to show them that um that like this 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 does matter. This is this is relevant. And and I always go back to the um the LeBron James pitch that I did in, in my interview with SB Nation, right? Like that's that was actually my first uh piece um for the kick she wear was um was that LeBron James's signature shoes are trash now, <laughs> and that like that is a real that is a real problem um, for Nike because like now you've got Zion Williamson coming along and like he has like the same body type but like signature shoes aren't really making that much money so is Zion ever going to get a signature shoe I don't know of course he is but like right. I don't know like there's there's a there's a legit um question there that that we have to to ask and like that really um that subject always fascinated me and so i was like if i can somehow like 
get across to people why this is fascinating to me, then then I think it'll fascinate them too. And and it and it definitely did. Like it was that and the um the whole NBA China thing was was going on Huge. at that time. Yeah, it was big. It was really big. And and the um the second story I wrote was about uh vans in China and how they were having like a, a similar situation where like vans had allowed somebody to do some custom artwork that was um in in favor of Hong Kong protesters and uh China like got on vans and was like, hey, like take this down and they did it. Right. And and it was just like it, it's like the same the same issue there. And so like I, I kind of tried to make that point to people. It's like, hey, this is happening in the NBA. This is also happening in the world of sneakers. And so like it it's always to me like there has to be some sort of like world event tied to what I'm writing about, or or there has to be some sort of article that makes it relevant. Like that's why I honestly, and, and I feel like maybe I'm doing a bit too much of this, but like also I don't know how much, uh, too much coronavirus coverage is now. Um, but like I've, I've been really like honed in on that um, and, and trying to like make it, trying to connect it to the sneaker industry without, you know, being too cold about it because like people's lives are still at stake here. So like, you don't want to just talk about like business and money and who's working and who's not, but like that also is, is very much so uh, a relevant conversation in in the grand scheme of things. So that's, uh, that's why, that's why I'm like really like trying to hammer the point home that like this thing is impacting everything, including the shoes you love. Exactly. And I think that's a, a great look on it as a, and at least in my generation, it's the first thing in relation to coronavirus. It's the first thing that's impacted literally everyone, everywhere in every aspect of your life, whether that's simply going to the supermarket, simply just going outside, um, or, you know, people who work in healthcare or the global supply chain for your products. And, you know, as it comes to sneakers, pushing sneaker release dates out, it's, as you mentioned, it's something you don't want to take lightly and it's finding that balance can make it tough. But I'm going to backtrack real quick as a LeBron sneaker fan, right? That's probably one of my more favorite lines. Yeah. The recent models have been, I mean, I get pure performance, but they just haven't been what you, when you look at like early LeBron models and I, I've never really thought of it in that outlook, but it is a tough sell when you are a new signee coming to a brand and you're looking at some of these sneaker models and you're going, that that's not me. Um, and why maybe this isn't going to be what I want. Um, and you look at, as we talked about earlier, those foreign other brands, it gives a lot more options. Um, and I think, yeah, taking those bigger picture concepts and applying it to your newsletter um, has been something I've enjoyed. The the conversation about LeBron sneakers is so fascinating to me because like I, I think everything from like the Zoom generation to the LeBron nine or ten. Uh, yeah, probably ten. Say, yeah, I would say it's a ten is like is really good. Like I, I like that stuff, but it that's that's like a decade ago now almost. <laughs> it's like and I'm just like waiting for LeBron to have the next really good shoe and it just hasn't really happened yet but but then it's also like 
the standards have kind of changed as to what a really good shoe is and what a really good shoe does. Because LeBron's shoes perform amazing, like for for LeBron, because he's six eight and two fifty. So like you have to wear combat boots when you're like when you're that big. But it's like I don't know, man. Like I just I'm not going to play basketball all the time in these. Like you know, so like I, and I feel like that's why people like gravitate toward like the the Kyrie models and the the Paul George models um, and and stuff like that. But, but, but they're also not as, as big as LeBron is and they don't mean the same thing to, to the sneaker industry that LeBron does. So, so it's, it's, it's really, it's really fascinating. And I think I would be amiss here in this relation, right? So I think that's why when you look at when someone ranks the Jordans one through thirty four. You're going to see a, a, a better popularity for the original few, and then as that technology evolves for different purposes or trying different things out, you know the the perception of certain shoes is going to going to fall down. And we we've seen that definitely with LeBron. But the reason I bring this up is you recently ranked one through thirty four of the Air Jordan models. What was you know some of the the difficulties of doing that? Uh, there's so many good Jordans. There's so many good Jordans. And like, I was, I was, I was tweeting, I've, I've been tweeting about it all day. Um, and like in that process, I, I kind of was just trying to figure out like, okay, like I know, I, like I knew coming in that like the 11, the one, the three, the four, they were going to be like that. That's my top four somewhere along those lines. And then like everything else, one through 10, is going to be like, somewhere around my top 10, generally speaking. Um, maybe not the two. I think the two was like 15th or something like that. And the two, the two is a fine shoe. I like the two more than most people, but it's not like great. Uh, I agree. Um, but like just watching how the shoes were like changing and, and the, the kind of overlap in some of them, made it really difficult to kind of like the the one that I struggled with was was the six and the seven like choosing which one of those were I I I thought was a better shoe um and and kind of looking at like how it performed for Jordan what he did in it and then what it looked like and how it's impacted like sneaker culture overall was like oh my god it was I and, and now, like looking back on it, I'm so mad that I have the seven over the six. But like when I when I did it, I justified it by saying like the seven is one of the more creative colorways, and 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 in terms of like how many they dropped at that time, like that was kind of an unprecedented issue for that time to to have five colorways and also drop the Bordeaux. Like that shoe is is incredible. But then the sixes are just like they're so important to to Jordan's history, and and it's just I, it balancing stuff like that is is so hard. And then I also got mad at at where I had the twelves. But then I was like, what would I what would I move? Like I I I couldn't figure out what I would move lower to to push the twelves up. And and it was it was it was totally frustrating. It took me like a day to do that, honestly. Like an entire day. It's uh it's always gonna be very, very difficult to make a make a list, right? That where each shoe, when you look at Jordan Brand, is so uh subjective to that to whoever, you know, some people love the threes because that's what they, you know, brought Nike back for them. Some people love 
the eights, right? Because oh that represents a certain point, and that's it makes it so hard. I love the eights, and I was mad that like I initially wanted to put it in my top four, but then I was like, I can't justify this. I just love <laughs> this shoe. Like I just love this shoe, and and the Aqua Eight is that's the first shoe that I bought with with my own money, so it always will have a a, a place near dear to my heart. And, exactly, and it's like I. I'm just going to always be irrational about the shoe. But at the same time, I cannot be irrational because I have to create this list and it has to be good or else I'm going to get roasted. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, it does make sense. You know, you could move a couple spots here and there based on whoever you may be or, you know, your subjectivity or opinion of certain shoes. But for the most part, you know, I read through it and I agreed, um, you know, in general vicinities of where shoes were. Um and I mean, I think my my question is going to be in relation now, and that was on uh, for the win for USA Today. How has, you know, your workflow changed as we are in, you know, the kind of recommended stay in home, um, stay in place rules? Man, it is it has changed drastically as far as like when I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I hate working at home because. I feel like I I get so distracted by literally anything. Like I'll have the TV on and there'll be a commercial. I'll be like, oh, let me let me, let me watch this commercial and see see what's going on here. Or, or like my dog will start whining and and I take her outside or whatever. And and so like I try to to like schedule things, but it never works because I'm not a scheduled person. And and it just I don't know. It it gets so murky for me sometimes and there are like days where like i just get up in the morning and i'm ready to go and there are some days where i'm just like on my laptop in my bed working <laughs> and it's just not a not a great not a great scene um yeah i would agree so yeah i i mean it's 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 as far as like with the newsletter nothing has really changed generally like i i, I generally just look for um i look for stories throughout the week anyway so so it's like i'll I'll like take maybe two or three hours at night and just kind of read everything and and figure out like what i want to include and and sometimes there's like there are days where there's like oh like there's nothing there's nothing to do Um, and i'll just like kind of try to and cook something up but like other than that um nothing nothing has really changed as far as that goes and so back you know mentioned the newsletter there what do you find you know whether it's quarantine or it was pre-quarantine times um p pq i guess we can call it um what is the most fun and exciting part to you when writing for your newsletter that kicks you wear um and what's the biggest obstacle for you um in that process as well um the most exciting part is when people show me what shoes they're wearing um, honestly, and that, and that's such a simple thing, but like, I, I really, when I launched this, like my idea of it was to create some type of community. Cause like, I, I feel like that almost doesn't exist, um, in the same way it used to in the sneaker community, like there, because it, it's, it's mainstream now. And that's something that like, that, that's, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. I don't want to say that as like a, it's a bad thing or, or, or I hope, I don't want people to take that as a slight, but it is like, it's a different thing than it was 
even five years ago, definitely 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we're talking like the stone age. Like it's, 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 it's totally different now. And and so um, I remember how I came up on sneakers and the people who I had as resources to, to kind of teach me um, what was cool, what was not cool, why shoes mattered and, and what, um, what I should be wearing. Um, a lot of people, I don't, well, I guess I'm assuming, but like it doesn't it doesn't seem to me that, that like a lot of people have that. Like people don't just just hop on a Nike talk anymore and, and feel like empowered to just ask questions. And and I wanted to to make sure that people knew that like with with this, like this is not I'm not going to shame you for for not knowing something because there's stuff that I don't know, too. And and like we all need to kind of learn about this industry together and and so when i see people like showing me their shoes and 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 showing me what they're wearing every thursday at seven or whatever it's like people are really like this is really that's showing me that it, it really clicks with people that like this is a community we can interact with each other we can complement each other's shoes like this this doesn't have to be like you don't have to to be that that person who's like Oh man, do you even do you even know the history of the Jordan one, bro? Like, you don't gotta be that guy. You can just appreciate the the shoe, and and that that's that's the best feeling for me. I would say that is an an adamant example. Of, that's one of my gripes with current sneaker community culture. However, someone may want to you know describe it, is I feel with the implementation and growth of social media and likes and retweets and comments and reposts, whatever that may be, is that there's a lot of one way communication or in some cases ego driven into that, where I think, you know, seeing just positive engagement of someone just sharing their, their shoes, just to share based on your topic, as opposed to, you know, Oh, here's my most expensive shoes or here's the hottest release. I like seeing, you know, this the more authentic content where it's, you know, they're doing it because, hey, you know, uh, Mike wants me to share what I'm wearing. I see what he's wearing. You know, maybe this is going to start up, a, you know, a, a conversation or or introduce me to other people who are interested in sneakers. And, you know, an example of that that I've liked recently is I think it's Thursday nights. They do sneaker chat, um, which has just kind of started with Will Hardison. And I've seen a lot of people you know, just engage there, very similar to those old ISS or Nike talk days. Um, and I think that's something I like seeing in your newsletter as well, just the quick highlights of some of the sneakers that you liked, you know, during that time. Yeah, man. And I definitely, I want to shout out Will, because like, I, I'm literally just getting to know Will, honestly. <laughs> and, and like, it was, it was, it was because of um, the, uh, the kicks we wear section that I have, like somebody had, uh, had tweeted um tweeted a shoe and he had liked it and i followed him and then like maybe a few days later someone had recommended my newsletter to him and like will will is dope man but like that that is like the the kind of thing that like i'm really proud of with with this newsletter is that like for for me personally like i've been able to to interact with a lot of people who i probably wouldn't know otherwise but are like genuinely nice and really dope people you know and and that's like that's the that's the most gratifying feeling like i love it yeah i think at the end of the day you know whether the newsletter gets seen by thousands of people or gets seen by two people but it's still 
impacts them the same way. I think that's, you know, the overall, you know, joy and fulfillment, obviously, um, you know, the more people, the more impact you make, but I think that passion of just, you know, making that one connection is great. Um, and, and I think that's something that the newsletter has, you know, the potential of doing if, you know, you reach out to some of those people who shared their kicks or even just reaching out to you, um, has been a delight so far. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely been fun. Um, as, as far as, uh, um, the, what would you say the downsides, the obstacles, um, I swear I spend at least like two hours a day just trying to figure out how to start the newsletter. Like, like I, really don't, I really don't know. Uh, like it, it's always difficult for me to, to determine what the, the top story would be because I, there are so many that I feel like are important and, and would be top story worthy, but then you kind of have to take a step back and think about um, in terms of the, the long-term impact of a subject um, how 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 relevant is this going to be in in a week or two or or how um how much do people actually care about this piece of content as opposed to to this one because like generally like i'll come in with maybe like 10 to 12 stories every every time i'm i'm starting a newsletter and and try to like pick through the ones that are like top story worthy and then go through the ones that are going to be um two, three, four, and, and uh, well, five is generally like, five, we already know what, what five is. So it's just, it's just sections two, three, and four that like, they're like, okay, these stories, this is what you should be following, but I'm not going to like dive too deep into this because I also want to, I don't want to keep you all day reading an, an email, like that's dumb. Um, so, so yeah, just, just like figuring out the, the order and what stories I should be using um, is, is always like that. That's always a, a process for me, but, it, but it's also like not too bad, especially when it ends up, um, being a really good finished product. Like when I, when I actually enjoy what I write, which is very rare because I, I hate when I write, honestly, <laughs> which is like, I, I, that's a, that's a, a weird writer thing. I don't know why we're like, um, but yeah, when, when, whenever it's like, whenever I'm like satisfied with the, the the end product i'm like yeah no i i figured this one out i put the yeah i mean as difficult as it as it is to to create evergreen content that's always you know being searched or grown i think you know it's always fun finding those stories even if it takes two hours and like you said there's no better feeling than you know you walk into something and you're like i'm not sure how this product is gonna feel at the end but once you get it flowing and it's and it's been published you and you look back on it for, you know, maybe a slight thing, you go, wow, that turned out a lot better than it did. Um, and I think, you know, in your most recent one, uh, issue 49, uh, I really like the topic going over celebrities and sneakers and taking it back through hip hop culture to Pharrell. Yeah, this one was really, it was, it was, I thought about this a lot because Pharrell, I, I I feel like Pharrell doesn't really get enough credit for for what he was doing in the um in the mid two thousands. But then, like the more I think about it, it's like what Kanye is doing right now is definitely um is that like he's he's what people should aspire to. 
when when they when it's as far as celebrity goes when they enter the the sneaker game and i don't know if it's i wouldn't say it's unfair to um to say that uh i wouldn't say it's unfair to say that like he's he surpassed Pharrell. like Pharrell, he he's definitely done that but as far as starting this whole thing and showing people what was possible i don't think there was anyone before Pharrell who was kind of doing it in in this way like you definitely had your like run dmcs right with the with adidas and 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 their synergy there and 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 what they've done with the the superstars over the years but pharrell kind of bounced from from brand to brand just like designing things and and doing his own thing and launching ice cream and and everything like that it was just like that was that was unprecedented for um for for how successful it had been because there had been rappers who had launched their own brands and, and stuff and and folks who had tried to to make their own sneakers like jay-z's Reeboks or whatever but like but like pharrell kind of just did it on a on a different level as far as like how how successful he was and and how far his reach ended up going and then three years later um after pharrell has has his ice cream uh reebok deal you see Nike go get Kanye West and then Nike for whatever reason lets Kanye West walk out of the door and, and now he's with Adidas and, and is doing the things that he's doing now and 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 now Nike has Travis Scott and it right and, and so like it's it's all like cyclical and it all connects and I feel like it starts with Pharrell. So so that was kind of the thing that I set out to to explain to people it's like the the shoes that you love right now the all the collabs that you love all of the the celebrities that we're seeing in in all of these shoes Pharrell did this first so so let's give credit where credit is due and I hadn't really seen that written anywhere so I I, I thought I'd write it yeah yeah and I, I that's why I enjoyed it I think it was uh, you know a unique approach and I you know, I had never tied together all the brands that Pharrell had been with. And, you know, it makes sense from a foundational standpoint. And, you know, to your argument where Kanye is at now, you know, things are so different, but he's obviously built upon that. And Pharrell's always been, you know, a, a foundational piece to make that analogy when you're Nike and say, can we do an entertainer and provide them a shoe um, or a signature shoe? And then you look at to the, to today where you get, yeah, you have Kanye with Adidas. You have Beyonce with Adidas. You have you had Donald Glover in Adidas. You have Travis Scott and Nike. And you see a lot more entertainers enter the space or Justin Timberlake collaborating with Jordan Brand and things like that. Um, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it may have been a little bit more wishy-washy, but I think you did a great job of, you know, answering your own hypothesis with Pharrell as that that leading legend. Yeah, and and the thing is that I think we're still kind of just at the beginning with all of this. There's there's still so much ground to to kind of cover with, as as far as celebrity uh, collaborations and celebrity sneaker sneaker deals go. Um, like Kanye is definitely the the pinnacle right now, but like somebody at at some point is going to take it beyond where uh, where Kanye is, and 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 there's going to be folks who who are like getting to that that Kanye level so it'll be like you know what 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 Jordan is for Nike 
Kanye can be for Adidas, but like who is the the LeBron in that, right? Or, or the guy that that's coming next? Is there like a a, a Charles Barkley or whatever for for Kanye or, or whatever? Like there 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 are going to be more people who who kind of do this thing and 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 kill the game like like Kanye has. And and when we look back at the history of it, it it all traces back to to what Pharrell kind of started with with ice cream and his work with babe and and everything else it, it's shout out to pharrell man <laughs> yeah and i think the other thing that's interesting in this space too when we talk about entertainers and the future right is you know i don't i think they've fumbled a little bit but i think adidas partnership with esports player and streamer content creator ninjas building its own path because i see that continuing to grow i mean NBA 2K League, uh, Halo, Call of Duty, whatever it is, that's always going to be around. And I think with the international markets, we're going to see another streamer-esque person enter the space for a sneaker. And that isn't that wouldn't have happened without the success of Kanye, which may not have happened without the success of Pharrell. Yeah, no, the, all of it, all of it ties together. All of it ties together. I, I, the, the, the um. The streaming aspect of it is so fascinating to me because we're we're already seeing it, honestly. And and I didn't think that it would happen this quickly because like when you talk to people, uh, just general lay people about um about streaming and 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 how esports works and and things like that, they I mean they generally don't understand it. But then when you like add shoes and apparel into it, they really like. You don't even see the people like wearing shoes, but but like it, it it definitely matters though, and and those those folks are are brands already, right? Like at at such a young age, like I mean, just look at Ninja's following, right? Just look at look at look at the numbers that he does, and and for for a guy like that to get an Adidas deal is is pretty unprecedented. I, I mean, even just like looking at Overwatch League and and their collab with Staple to make their kids like that is so fascinating to me that is that is incredible i i never thought i would see the day honestly but but i'm i'm honestly glad it's here because that is that's definitely an area that is is going to be big in the next few years honestly especially if we can't get out the house (laughs) yeah regardless of people believe in streaming the numbers behind it or not i mean it's there um and so Move into a, a little bit more fun, quicker hitter section here. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple yes or no, either or questions and things like that, just to, to see what your initial response is and, you know, your view on sneakers is. Okay. Cool. So uh, do you own any shoes that you've never worn? No, I've, I've worn all my shoes, thankfully. I, if you had asked me that uh, five years ago, it would definitely have been yes, but. <laughs> ah, interesting. You- you love to hear it. Um, and so is sneaker culture better now than it was five to 10 years ago? No, I, I agree. What is, what makes you, what's your initial thought to say no? I, I just hate how one, like I write about it all the time. The, the bots are just like killing everything. And, and it's so, it's so frustrating um, when you can't, get your hands on your favorite sneakers. And and that also turns people off from like trying to even get into sneakers anymore, honestly. And and then like there's the backlash to that, which is like, hey, 
uh, new folks who have these bots, like, can can you please stop uh, doing this? And also new folks who are just generally trying to get in the game, like, stop coming and and buying things up because me, the old sneakerhead, I would like to to buy whatever product this this is. Right. And and so like there's just there's just so much back and forth now that I just don't think is is very healthy. But like I, I, it's getting better, though. It's definitely getting better. Yeah. Yeah. OK, cool. All right. Uh, high tops or low tops? Low tops. Ooh. Sneaker boxes or sneaker containers? Uh, I don't have either. I have oh. a shoe rack. Yeah. I, okay, I, I, I don't I don't like clutter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right on. What are you currently interested in? outside of sneakers whether that's a tv show a book um a podcast what's something you're interested in outside of the sneaker realm right now um so i am re-watching naruto right now <laughs> and uh and it is like i am it's 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 my favorite show ever it might i, I might i might have uh some very hot takes about this show it is it is, <laughs> it, is it is one of the greatest shows of all time in my opinion it it it's I love Naruto and and like since since quarantine has started I've just been like I've I've been plowing through episodes I'm I'm almost <laughs> I'm almost done with the show for like the third time so oh really wow yeah. you, you've been crushing it yeah no, okay. it's, yeah it's it's bad <laughs> <laughs> all right uh last question here Mike if there was a documentary about you who would play you in that documentary oh man uh that's tough i don't really think i'm that interesting i just i just wish that like whoever does it they got to get somebody that looks like me and there have been like some people on twitter to hit me up that that look almost exactly like me and like yo like it's like yo we're, we're twins so i want them to play me <laughs> like like go into my dms and 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 find those those dudes and and and, and cast them are those dudes still looking similar after the the no barbers right now <laughs> i don't know that's a good question i gotta check back <laughs> i gotta check back in and, and and see see how they're doing i I know i'm doing terribly like i'm about to be on my uh tom hanks from castaway like, <laughs> all, right, all right awesome um all right mike well uh i'll have all of your info in the show notes but if you want to let the listeners know where to find you or where to find the newsletter feel free to plug it. Yeah, man. Just follow me on Twitter at, um, at Mike D Sykes. You can follow me on Instagram too at, uh, Mike D Sykes and you can go subscribe to the kits you wear at kyw.substack.com. All my content is there. So right on. Yeah. I, I definitely recommend it. You guys, um, I'll have all the links down there. I'll have it linked everywhere. Um, I think it's definitely, if you're, you know, are passionate about sneakers, it's a great read and, uh, Mike's a great person, as you can hear. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, Mike, I, I appreciate your time. I hope to get you on here uh, again in in some time. You know, chop it up a bit more. Um, and, I, and I love what you're doing, man. I, I hope to speak with you soon. Absolutely, man. Definitely. Like I said, guys, his info will be in the show notes uh, below. And you know, after this, Mike and I might talk some things out, and you might get some special content in the near future. There it is. Mr. Mike D. Sykes. Once again, all of his info down below. I really enjoyed today's episode. It was fun, lighthearted, especially during times like this. We got to talk sneakers. We got to see the evolution of Mike's career thus far, and it's only just starting. We also got to talk about the kicks you wear, 
and some of the inspiration behind that, something I personally really enjoy, and I hope to have Mike back on here sometime soon, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode as well. Make sure to check out Mike's work down below in the show notes. If you like the podcast, check out a few other episodes, rate it on your favorite platform, and we'll catch you next week.